Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's guest really does have the best words. What are you doing? Ah, uh, you okay? Yeah, what are you doing? I'm fucking lamping. What you doing? You're lamping? Chilling. Relaxing. Why'd you change back. from chilling? What was wrong with chilling? You gotta get another one? Lamping? Lamping, I can sit around here with some fucking boxes on a tank top. My feet the fuck up. And chilling is what? You gotta be in Just, real clothes? You can walk around and chill. You know, oh. you, you upright. You chilling upright. I you guys got some great slime. <laughs> I gotta say. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and this week I am joined by one of the funniest men in show business, J.B. Smoove. J.B. is best known for playing Leon Black opposite Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm for the past 13 years. Before that, he spent three seasons as a writer on Saturday Night Live. That's where he met Paula Pell and John Lutz, who cast him as a hilariously inept police chief in their new Quibi show, Mapleworth Murders. We get into all of that in this roller coaster of a conversation, which only went off the rails a handful of times. Plus, JB looks back on the Curb-inspired HBO pilot he shot with Kanye West in 2008. Like the rest of the world, he never even got a chance to see it. You really are not going to want to miss this one, so here's me with JB Smooth. Sometimes, man, I'm, I'm right on point sometimes. I'm up, early, sometimes I'm, up, I'm up early. You know, they say the early bird gets the worm sometimes. <laughs> I got a mouthful mouth of worms right now. So I don't know if you remember this, but the last time we talked uh, on the phone, you were calling me from the Bahamas. And you kind of you kind of look like you're in the Bahamas right now, but I, I don't think you are. I'm telling you, I'm ahead of the curve. I remember last <laughs> time we talked from the Bahamas, so I figured I'd throw on my famous uh... Amos outfit. You know what famous Amos is? Yeah. Yeah, he made them damn, he made them damn cookies. Yeah. <laughs> if you pull up a photo of famous Amos, I'm damn near I'm damn near in famous Amos mode right now. <laughs> I can make oatmeal cookies, sugar cookies, peanut butter crunch, all the kind of cookies, a double chocolate chip cookie, whatever you want. I got I got you, whatever you want. Coconut <laughs> cookie, you like coconut cookies? Lemon. Oh yeah, I love how coconut. Lemon, how about a lemon snap or a ginger snap? Oh, ginger snap I like kind, a lot. Any kind, any kind you want, man. I got you, man. <laughs> So where are you now if you're not in the Bahamas? I'm not gonna lie, I'm damn near in the Bahamas. It's a hundred, it's over a hundred right now in the valley. It's, I mean, it's hot, it's hot as hell, man. It might be already 105 already. So uh, I got my shorts on. I got a polo. I call this the vacation shirt. People don't give these. They, they just call them a shirt. This is called a vacation shirt. People don't understand. This is a vacation shirt. This is a vacation hat. All this is it goes together. And now you are privy to seeing my vacation style, although I'm at home, I'm still quarantined, man. I'm just kind of like laying back. Taking You're music. on staycation. Staycation, man. People are th- throwing that around a lot. Staycation. <laughs> like staycation. I mean, that means keep your ass home, you know. You know what? Staycation really means sit your ass down, 
and shut up and sit your ass down. Got, got exactly, exactly. You know? So I, I do want to talk to you about this new show you're in, Mapleworth Murders, with your old Let's friends Paula that. Pell and, and John Lutz. Did you meet both of them at SNL? All of us met at SNL, man, which was a, a, a great place to meet some cool folks, man, some talented writers, man. And, um, you know, we just planted a bunch of seeds, man. You know how it is, man. You, you meet people, man, and you're nice to you. Uh, you're nice to them. And then what happens is you end up in this amazing place where your phone could ring years later, months later, 10 years later, who knows? But you, are, you, you have presented each other with energy and all that kind of good stuff, man. And they give you a call about a project that you think you can really do a great job on. And next thing you know, they allow you to come on the show and allow you to have fun, man. And that's what uh, I truly believe in, man. I truly believe in reconnecting with folks, man, that you always have a good energy with. And that makes the work environment really fun, man. We had a great time on this amazing, amazing, amazing show for Quibi. Of course, Paul and myself, we did a bunch of uh, monologues on SNL. Yeah, you would play a married couple, right? Yeah, playing a married couple, man. That was so fun, so fun to do. I look forward to doing those, man, and um, that was really fun. And then, then me and John, we, we, me and John always hit it off, man. John, John's always been a great guy, man, and um, we, we hit it off from the time we met, man. And um, I think as you get into that environment of SNL, which is, uh, of course, a live show, a lot of picking on your feet and moving and trying to produce your piece. You know, you have these pockets where you, you have time to sit down and relax a little bit, talk a little bit. And, um, you know, we all had our own offices and all that kind of stuff. But you got a great chance to uh, connect with people. You're there all damn night writing. Yeah, it was great to uh, reconnect with those guys, man. And, um, and I think folks are going to love, uh, love the show, man. It's really, really a fun, fun platform to work on. Yeah. Chief of police coming through. Look at this goddamn fruit roll-up. Mapleworth, everywhere you go, someone gets killed. I'll never invite you to a party, especially a surprise party. I would. Having one of my guests get murdered is worth having Mrs. Mapleworth grace me with her dancing charismas. Pionce, come on, man. You're getting all worked up for nothing. I need you to go to my car and get my crime scene gloves. Not my fishing gloves, not my miming gloves, not my falcon gloves. I only sell those one at a time anyway, it's not two. You ever seen a person with two falcon gloves, have you? Yeah, I... You seen somebody standing around the park with two hands up like this? Yeah, maybe I misremembered. And no one leaves! I'm gonna question every single person here. So, none of the married people? What? You said you wanted to question every single person here, so everyone in a relationship is free to go. Are you fucking with me right now? I don't think I am effing with you. Go get the goddamn gloves! I was watching Paula Pell do an interview, uh, I think it was on Seth Meyers, and she said something that I wanted to ask you about. She said, you were the only person she's seen audition where Lorne put his head on, down on the table. He was laughing so hard for S at SNL. <laughs> what, do you, what do you remember about your audition for, for SNL? Oh, gosh, man. I, I remember very little. You know what? I remember the club. I remember talking to Lorne afterwards. Because we were talking about, he asked me my background. And I told him, you know, I'm just a stand-up. I'm just a regular old stand-up guy. I'm not a writer, but uh, I have a lot of ideas. And I told him that I took improv under uh, Marty Friedman. Now, Marty Friedman was from the SCTV troupe. You know what I mean? Which was, I was a big fan of that, of, of that show. You know what I mean? I just love SCTV. So I was a big fan of that. And I ended up taking an uh, a improv class in New York. And he was my teacher. So I mentioned his name. And Lauren lit up like, oh, wow. And he knew him. They knew each other. So it was like one of those things, man. And um, I remember that, that smile, actually, when, he, when I told him about Marty. And um, he's fond of Marty. So, so that worked out good, man. And um, we ended up talking about that. And that's about all I remember. But you got to remember, I went for cast. So that was a good, a good I call it the first damn. 
You know, even though I didn't make the show, I always say it's good that people know of you. You know, sometimes they know your existence and they know that you come with a good work ethic and you come with a good mindset. So I went in, I went in with an open mind, like, okay, let me give this a try. You know, who knows? I kind of went in because, you know, I'm, I'm weird like this. And when, even when I know people are auditioning, sometimes I wish the best for them. You know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, in my brain, I feel like I'm a good casting director also. I feel like I, I know, like, I, I see things ahead sometimes before they're, they're done. So I have a tendency to say, oh, man. In my brain, I'm thinking, oh, I know a good sketch for him. Wow. And th th this is just in the audition at the comedy club stuff. Once you get past the audition for at the comedy club, you move on to your test, which is your test is done at NBC. So you do your test. And then I did my test. It was myself, Finesse Mitchell, and uh, Kenan Thompson. We were the last three left. Went back to L.A., you know, and then they gave me a call. And so they picked Kenan and Finesse. But um, we wanted to find out if you would like to come back on as a writer. I said, look, I'm not a writer, but I wanted <laughs> to learn. You know, I wanted to learn. You know, I wanted to learn how that works, how that system works. So, you know, packed up, went back. Yeah. Was that a hard decision to uh, to go and be a writer, or did you were you pretty sure that's what you wanted to do? It was very hard because I, I had a few things going on here in LA that I was writing and pushing um, some auditions for some TV shows. So one was even my own show that I was uh, pitching. So for me, it was one of those things where I was like, hmm, do I just like put the stuff I have on the side and go back and move back to New York when I just left New York? You know, do I move back to New York and try to figure this out? And but one thing I always I said to myself was, this would look great on my resume. You know, and a resume can go for a long time, man, a long time. So I said, this will look good on my resume. So I said, maybe I'll give it a try. See how, see, see, maybe, maybe I could still possibly work my way up to cast member. That has happened with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, yeah, yeah. So I went back, man, I did it. And um, that's where I kind of got my connect to a bunch of really cool people, man. Met a bunch of uh, guests who came on the show. And, you know, it, it, it does look good on your resume. And see, it's one of those things. It's a seed planted. So you get a chance to, you know, and now look, I'm working on things that, you know, all the alum that I started out with, we all, we're all doing something amazing. And we all end up getting phone calls from each other because that's where anybody who gets a show, they, they pull from their, their Rolodex of people that they love and they give them what they want. And they allow you to do what you do, which is the number one thing while you take a project is if they're going to let you get busy and do... If I'm going to go on as JB, you got to let JB do JB now. <laughs> <laughs> I, one thing that you're known for on that show, and this is a story that uh, I've heard so many people tell, is that you were legendary for pitching to the host. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and then you would have the craziest pitches to the host when everyone would get together and do their first pitches. So what was your kind of approach to that? And is there one that, that stands out in your mind that was particularly uh, fun to do? Oof. Oh, man, it was so many of them. That approach to me was, you got to remember, I'm going in as a stand-up. I'm not going in as a writer. Came on a show as a stand-up who converted to a writer, a writer who wanted to be cast member. So I got a whole different mindset. So I would always go on in and try to have at least four different pitches in my brain that I would pitch. And um, I always would stand up, and I always went next to last. It was like me and then Keenan was last. And we always sat in, we always sat in the <laughs> same spot. So long as start, he would sit behind his desk, 
Uh, it was just start here, you go, you go first, you know, and then go all the way around the whole room. I mean, you're talking about a crowded room full of people in Lauren's office, sitting on the floor, sitting on the arm of the chair, sitting on laps. Everybody's just crowded into his room. He's sitting behind his desk. The host is sitting on the other side in a little swivel chair facing us also. So, you know, we would go, he would go around the whole room. Now, I knew I, I would always try to get him. I would always try to get him, man, because, you know, you know, when you're a stand-up, we have a different delivery. We have a different mannerism. You know, we can paint pictures of really clearly of what we want to write. So I would always play the energy in the room, and I would always stand up. So everybody would start to snicker already. They already knew. <laughs> They're already laughing. I was going to hit, hit their ass in the throat with something, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I always told him I got him on his heels, because he would always smile. You know, he, he, he would just smile while I'm talking. So... It's so many of them. Oh, my gosh, man. Are there any specific ones that you still remember? Oh, that pitches? Let me see. Oh, the number one one that I loved the most was I had this, this one I, was, where I wrote. It never, it never made the show. Never made the show. Uh, I had very few that made the show. But this one I thought should have made it. It was about a guy who used to work in a bank, right? He worked in a bank, and he got fired from the bank. So he ended up getting another job. You know, he ended up working in a sandwich shop. But, you know, he had worked in a bank for years. But he couldn't get, like, the banking thing out of his system. When you're in a bank, you know, you're about cashing checks. First, I had him in a check cashing. Then I said, I said, it's a check cashing or a bank. A check cashing would be better. You know, he's in a check cashing. So what he did was he got so hooked on cashing checks all the time and paying money out. And, you know, when you count money, you're always doing this. You're counting money. You're counting money out. And everybody's a thumb. So, but in a sandwich shop, that's really not acceptable. <laughs> when you know, someone says you want salami on that, and you hit the thumb and put the salami on the bread, you want more cheddar cheese or more regular cheese? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Pepper, you want pepper jack, pepper jack, pepper jack it is. Ah. It was like, Especially now, that wouldn't go over well. It would not go over well at all, you know? But that was one of my favorites that I thought should have made it. Do you remember which host you pitched that to? Oh, who was that to? It might have been for Steve Carell. It might have been for Steve Carell, somebody, somebody like that. He could do that well. He could do that well. And then I pitched one, who was the older actor? I forgot who we had on the show, older actor. But I had one called Maury's, the home of the 11-piece suit. It was like a... <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Maury's. I love Maury's, the home of the 11-piece suit. Oh, that, didn't... I, that was my favorite. No, they didn't make it, man. It was, it was Maury's. Oh, my God, Maury's. Did you generally have trouble getting your sketches on the air? Man, I, must, I can count on one hand how many I got on the air. Really? And, and you were there for three years. Three years, man. One hand. I think one hand. That's but insane. You know what? I didn't did, know what? Maybe not. Maybe two hands. Maybe two hands. <laughs> that still ain't shit. That still ain't shit. What's one that you did get on the air that you were particularly proud of? Oh, man. I did one for Amy Poehler where she was pregnant in the ass. That was really funny. <laughs> that, made it really, that, was, that was really a good one. I love that one. That's one of my favorite ones that made it. Yeah. And then I, have, I had two that made it. It was uh, Finesse and Kenan. They worked at this um, furniture store. And the one thing they hated delivering was sofa beds. Because sofa beds are heavy, heavy as yeah. shit. So they would always try to talk the customer out of buying a sofa bed. <laughs> you don't want this sofa bed. <laughs> it was one, of, it was one particular, one, one I wrote where, uh, oh, they were like, um, well, you know, you don't want a sofa bed because you don't have a sofa bed. People kill people who buy, if you buy a sofa bed, you get a sofa bed home, that's what you know, your husband try to kill you. They say, you know, he kill your ass, 
you push me on top of bed, you fold that top of bed up, and <laughs> you are never seen again. <laughs> then he sell that sofa bed to somebody else. <laughs> so you dead, you dead inside the sofa bed, you know? So it was like one of those things, but there's so many of them, man. Tom Brady, I wrote one for Tom Brady, that was really funny, I thought should have made it. Yeah, where he was the first First player to smack another player on the butt in the 30s. It was like a, it was like a throwback, like 30s and 40s in the heyday of the NFL. And nobody understood why he kept doing that. <laughs> he was the only player in the 40s to get traded to every team because they, they didn't understand Because he's always it. slapping butts. Yeah, always slapping butts. But what the, what the thing that got him really in trouble was when he started doing it in the shower. That's what got him in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that got him in trouble. That's so funny. But, you know, a bunch of silly, silly things, man, that I thought should have made it. But, you know, urine detective was really <laughs> funny. I wrote that for Johnny Knoxville, you know. I, I just look at people. I look at, I look at you first and figure out what would you do or what won't you do. Mm. So that was really a fun one, too. So. <laughs> well, it's funny. I think it's something that you have in common with uh, your friend Larry David is that he was on he was at SNL as a writer for, I think, just one season and either never got anything on or I think maybe got one thing on in, in the whole time he was there. I heard Larry quit. Went home, you know, and his roommate said, hey, man, what the hell are you doing? You got to check, man. And Larry went back the next day like nothing happened, you know, which was amazing. Then, then he took that, yeah, that's in took that story, put it on Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you, you went, you know, thinking maybe you would get promoted to the cast. Obviously, that didn't happen. And then you were, you know, let go after three seasons. Were you, how did you feel after you were, you were let go? Were you disappointed? Were you... Oh. No, you know, I'm like this, man. I'm I'm a guy that makes chess moves. You know, I'm a I'm a chess mover. So I do things sometimes knowing knowing the outcome, but I also feel like you gotta have enough confidence in what you do and what you're gonna bring to something, knowing that you'll find something else. You know, sometimes these are just stops along your path. You know, these jobs, these people you met, these are just little stops. You know, it's kind of like going into the forest, right? Now, some people go into the forest and they'll drop popcorn so they know how to get their ass out. They get lost. But I, I drop popcorn because I want to be able to revisit all these little moments I cherished, you know, in my journey. So I say that was a great experience. I say, hey, I know. So here's my thing. I told myself, I know if I fire my agent who also handles a bunch of other people on the show, I know I'm not coming back because, you know, and... My agency at that time, I, I got SNL on my own. I didn't get SNL through an agent. The agent came afterwards. So he's not an agent who's not getting paid from me being on the show. You know, he's just getting paid for future things. So I knew I knew once I fired my agent, I wasn't going to get be back on the show anyway. Why did you fire? I was willing to accept that because I, I just felt like I wasn't getting I wasn't getting the movement that I wanted. And, and I'm like this, man. I'm a New Yorker, man. So you got to match my hustle. If you don't match my hustle, I'm doing more, I'm hustling more than you are. So I'm like, I'm like this, man. And that goes for anybody out there, man. You you gotta match or surpass the person's hustle that you're working with. I'm just always willing to make a change if I have to. And believe me, I fired my managers, I fired agents, I fired anybody you could think of because I just feel attorneys, anybody, I just feel like it's just gotta, I just gotta have the right thing around me and the right movement around me. And that's that's for anything that you want. Anybody, myself, you, you know, anything you want out of this, out of this business that you're looking for, you gotta be able to, you, you gotta be able to do you and do your hustle 
And, um, and that's what plants those seeds. That's what gets your connections. That's what keeps you engaged. That's what keeps people remembering you when they think of a project, right? The phone rings more often because, hey, JB, hey, fucking JB. You know, that's how it works, you know? So I'm never afraid, man, of making moves because I know the work I'm going to put in is going to be worth it. You wouldn't be in this business without these pockets and these peaks and valleys that you go through, you know, builds character and all that kind of stuff. So for me, it wasn't a big deal for me to say I'm making a move. It worked out particularly well for you this time because if you hadn't left SNL, I don't think you would have ever ended up on Curb Your Enthusiasm as Leon. Everything had to happen, man. That was a time in my life, man, where I think about all the time because that was my turn, you know? And three things had to happen, man. One, my wife told me I was going to be on, on Curb. Everything shifts. The whole universe takes a different turn. And who knows? Who knows what show I would have been on right now? Coming up, how J.B. Smoove became Leon Black, the role that changed his life and is still going strong 13 years later. He even gives us a little preview of what to expect from Curb Your Enthusiasm's upcoming 11th season. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. What do you remember about the first episode that you filmed with Larry and everybody for Curb? You know, you know what I remember? The one thing, one thing I remember from Larry is our first scene we did, right? He said, don't do it, uh, don't do it sketchy. Do it real. Oh, I said, oh, gotcha. And he, all he had to do was tell me that one time. And from that day, that first scene we did together outside of the audition was, when he told me that, I got it. I said, I gotcha. I knew exactly what he meant by doing a sketchy. Sketchy is too character, too charactery, and too... Sketchy is just like a certain projection, you know, of your voice. And I use projection because that's what defines your character, is your projection. Your projection changes everything. So my projection was in a sketch mode, and he told me to play it real, and he told me that, and I said, I got you. I know exactly what he meant by that, and thus, that's where... You know, I started playing around with the Leon rhythm and how he expressions and his mannerisms and all the little things that that make the character Leon go, you know? The first scene that you guys had with the um, ejaculate is a special one. Yeah, ejaculate. Is that something that you came up with on the spot or was that something that you discussed ahead of time? That's what they had in the outline was ejaculate. It just, my thing was to define it for me. What the, what the hell is ejaculate, you know? I just spoke to my wife. Okay. And uh, 
She said she was putting some flowers in your room. And she found a stain on your blanket. Stain on my blanket, huh? Mm. What, like a, a juice, syrup, maybe syrup or something like that? Mm-mm. No. Gravies, maybe? Something in the gravy category? Uh-uh. Mm. Uh-uh. What kind of stain was it? Hmm? Ejaculate. A what? Ejaculate. Ejaculate. Not a jackalit, a jackalit. A jackalit. Cum stain. Cum. Cum stain. What kind of cum was it, first of all? I, I, what do you mean, what kind of cum? Cum's cum. Cum is not cum, Larry. Cum's cum. Well, it couldn't have been mine. You know why? Because I get mine, Larry. I bring the ruckus to the lady. It's very rare. I can't say it's rare. I think it's amazing when you can think about something and envision it, how you would do it, and lo and behold, you end up in that position of hitting that ball that's, that's pitched to you, you know? And, you know, Larry underhands pitches you all the time. You know, it's like a, it's like a softball underhand pitch. All you got to do is hit it, you know what I mean? And these seasons now, you know, I think, I think it became this thing now where he writes for Leon specifically, you know what I mean? He knows what Leon can do now. Right. We got outlines and stuff, of course, with the run of show, but there are no detours in that outline. There are no forks in the road in that outline. It's kind of like, this is where you're going to go. But here's what I take out of that. What I do is this. I always, always try to give him something new that he didn't know about Leon, which in turn helps so much in defining the character because the character has no origin. No one knew where the hell he came from. Mm, we just, we just never defined where exactly <laughs> did he come from when he knocked on Larry's door, which is great because I can, that allowed me to give him a little bit he didn't know about Leon. He can be anybody. He can be any damn body. Like last season, when he had his uh, secretary who had the constipation, and uh, Leon ran down a bunch of things. He said, shit, man, constipation is an excuse. Shit, I, you know, I, I, I had constipation. I, I ran a 5K marathon constipated. I did a hot dog eating contest constipated. And I still won. You know what I mean? I shot a, I shot a porno constipated. And Larry said, you shot a porno? Now, I didn't answer, I didn't answer it on purpose because I felt like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to hold that one. That might be a funny one to pull up. Who knows, man? Leon might have done some damn porno. I, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about last season because I realized, I looked back at when we talked last time, I was asking you if you thought that the show might get into some political stuff in season 10. And you you said you didn't think it would, but then there ended up being that whole MAGA hat plot line in the, in the premiere. What did you think of that? And, and what did you think specifically of uh, Trump's response? He actually tweeted out the clip and said, uh, tough guys for Trump. But here's the thing. Larry finds a smart way of getting into things without getting into things. You know, he didn't give his political opinion, but he focused on this red hat, that damn red hat. And he found a way to make the red hat funny, but found a way to make the red hat become this symbol of, you know, is is that what we really want? He found a way to make that red hat work. You know what I mean? That's smart writing, man. He's just a smart guy. And he finds a way to make everything relatable, which is what I think we gravitate towards as far as laughter and what makes us laugh and what takes the sting off things. And I think that's a, that's just smart, being smart in, in a way of doing it. And he figured that out. And who doesn't laugh at that damn hat? But at the same time, shit, that hat, once you open that up, 
shit, that allowed Leon to say, you never see that hat on backwards, you know? You want to see <laughs> the ass kicking coming, you know? You know, it's just little things like that that it ends up being all these little pieces of the puzzle. You don't know where the hat is going to go or what's going to come out of it, but that show gives you the platform, man, to express another angle, a whole different angle. Whoever think about wearing the hat backwards, you know, whoever think about, you know, that's just little things that make these characters kind of gel and come together in their own two different weird opinions of a damn hat. <laughs> Were you surprised that, that Trump tweeted it out as if it was a good thing? No, I wasn't surprised at all. <laughs> <laughs> no? I was surprised. I left my ass off. I, you know, <laughs> Sometimes you know exactly the reaction is going to be. You know somebody's going to say something. You don't just do something like that and no one says anything. It's, it's too broad of a stroke that someone got to say something. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you just announced, uh, or the HBO just announced that the show is coming back for season 11. Yeah. Have you been able to start filming at all yet? Or what's, what's going on with that? You know, everything is so all over the place right now as far as production. So... Uh, we have not we have not started doing anything yet. I'm looking forward to it though. I, I don't know the logistics of everything of how it's all gonna work as far as cautions that we have to take, yeah, the safety precautions and stuff like that. But uh, we got some info on that just to like give us something to look forward to, you know, whether it's good or bad. But they'll figure it all out. I mean, they're they're smart and they they know they their safety's safety's the number one thing that we gotta figure out. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it all out, man. I'm looking forward to uh, what the thoughts are going to be on this new thing, man, this new season. Right. I mean, I think there's been a lot of speculation of how the show might take on quarantine and masks. And there seems like there's so much material there. It's so much material, man. I'm really looking forward to figuring out, to seeing exactly what angle this smart guy is going to come with, you know? <laughs> For Leon, how do you think Leon would be handling this pandemic right now? I think Leon's the smartest guy in the world, man. I think Leon will find some way to survive through everything. Hell, I already say, man, if this world ended, if this world ended tomorrow, man, Leon would find some way to survive. <laughs> I already say Leon would be, the world would be destroyed, man. Destruction everywhere. Apocalyptic style. And you'll see a baby pool upside down. <laughs> one of those plastic baby pools upside down and you would, you would see it move a little bit and you say, what the hell is that? And you see Leon just come out, straighten his do-rag up, his little robe, put his hand right down his robe and just like walk away in his flip-flops, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, he'll go, he'll go, ooh, that was close. <laughs> I think he's a survivor, man. He just knows the ins and outs of the world. He's I think he's good at reading people also. I think he's a master of reading people. I think he's a master of energy. He's a master of reading things, but he's also the king of getting over. Oh man, you gotta know how to get over, man. What, what guy you know who can find a way to befriend somebody and end up in a mansion, hanging out <laughs> in a mansion, man, after his family already left. His family left, pissed off at Larry. He left, they got out of there. He finds some way to keep your bedroom and and access to the fridge and all the good stuff. You know, but I think, I think, but at the same time, I think Leon could be anybody. There's not a color to Leon. I think we all got someone who's down to crash on the couch, someone who's down to take your guest room, someone's down to go with you to fight a ticket, someone who's down to hook you up with a girl, someone who's down to go with you to a strip club, someone who's down to do what, who's just got you. He got you. He'll help you work things out. He's not gonna always agree with you, <laughs> but he's gonna paint a different stroke and a different painting of what the hell is in your mind, you know? Which is what Leon does. He'll figure out 
what the hell the issue is. You're going to have your size sometimes. And, that, and that's the thing that I got to do when we're doing scene. I got to I gotta define whether I want to have Larry's back or whether I want to go against him. Sometimes I go against him. Sometimes I say, nah, man, that's wrong. You know, you can't do that, Larry. Da, da, da. When I'm on his side, I got to give him the reason why I'm on his side and how he should handle it. Oh, I love, I love giving him the reason why he should do something and how he should handle it. That's profoundness that Leon has. Does one go better than the other when you agree with him or when you don't in terms of improv and, and making the scene work? You know what? I got to hear it. I got to hear it and I got to see his demeanor. I got to see what it is. I got to look him up and down when one good, I got to give him a once over. You get somebody a once over, you can figure them out. Look down at their shoes, then you work your way up to their face. You give them, give them the old once over and then I can figure it out. You know, what his energy is, if he has enough confidence. Like take the getting that ass scene, the classic getting that ass scene. I knew I could see Larry was shook. The dude shook him up. So <laughs> I told him, defend yourself as a man Straighten your ass up. Stand up like a damn man. You don't let that dude do that to you. You getting his ass, Larry. You getting that ass. You getting that ass, Larry. That's what the fuck you do. What are you talking about? You let the man slide today. You got to immediately get in somebody's ass when that happens to you. You pull their asshole open, step into their asshole, close the door behind you. Take a spray paint can, right? Uh Uh-huh. Larry was here. You spray paint Larry was here. Wash me, all that kind of shit. Fuck his whole asshole up. These snicker bars, throw some paper on the floor. Read a newspaper, ball of paper up the newspaper, and throw the newspaper on the floor. Mm-hmm. Fuck his whole asshole up. You know what I'm saying? Then you yeah. open that asshole one more time. Open it again. Open that asshole again. Oh! Step out his ass. And leave that motherfucker wide open so he know you've been there. Open it up. Step, Step in. in the asshole. Spray Larry, paint. Larry, Larry was, was here. here. Leave garbage. Snickers, eat Snickers. Leave garbage. Spit. Fuck it. Get out. Mm. Open it up again. Yeah, step out the asshole. Step out. Don't even close that motherfucker. Leave it open so he know you've been there. You feel me? I got you. I That's got how you handle people. Mm. Get in that ass, Larry. Don't worry. All right. Hope you don't get me killed. My man. One other thing I did want to ask you about, because it's something that just kind of fascinates me. I talked to Larry Charles not uh, too long ago for an interview, and we were talking about the untitled Kanye West HBO project, which I know you were involved in. Oh, man. And he was telling me all about that. What was that experience like? Because that was like just right after the first season that you were of that you were on Curb, right? And then, yeah, you, and then you did this thing. So what, what happened? And Because it never made it to TV. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I never saw it. And, and I tell, <laughs> I told them, I said, everybody sitting there except me, you know, all the cast, people who were in the cast. I thought it was so fun, man. I thought it was really fun to do, man. I played his his manager, G. Actually, I ended up meeting me and G. Ended up having a really good friendship, man. After that, and uh, he was a really cool dude, man. And we both from New York, and we hit it off big time. I found it to be fun because it was a slice into the world of Kanye's world. And it was cool playing as manager because you know, I had to facilitate a lot of that stuff, which was cool. It was great seeing that, seeing it in that form of a loose show, loosely scripted show. You trust Larry Charles, he who's absolutely amazing. You know, he knew what I could bring to the table. It was really fun, man. It was really fun. It was only a pilot, so of course we, you know, it wasn't like it was a season. Um, I wish it, I wish it was a season. I wish we could have done something with it. I thought it would have been really fun. And, you know, and now you got Kanye in the news and all this stuff going on. It would have been cool to do because it allows people to see a slice into 
his world. This is pre-everything. Yeah, this was 2007, I think, yeah. This is pre-children. This is pre-his marriage. This is pre-everything, right? Yeah, he didn't have nothing that's going on. But it could have been like Curb, where it ran for, you know, 13 years or whatever. Yeah, who knows, man? It could have been something really amazing. Uh, it could have led right into marriage, children, all the things that, you know, that you see evolve, like Curb. And a presidential campaign. Uh, yeah, all this, all this, yeah. Could you imagine? Oh, man, dude, this it would have been an interesting show. What do you think about his uh, run for the presidency? Because I know now he has kind of admitted that he's doing it to, to hurt Joe Biden. I don't know, man. I'm not very political, but I just, I just take people for face value. You know, we hit it off and had a really good friendship. And I think everybody has something that motivates them and something that drives them. Sometimes you don't know the... You know how they say it comes out in the wash? You, you, you really don't know, because the world is such a crazy place. We don't know what the hell we're going to get until we get it sometimes. So even when we think we know things or how things are going to pan out, how we think they might pan out, they never do. No one in their right mind thought that 2020 would be this 2020. People were so eager to get the hell out of 2019 because 2019 was fucked up. People were like, at my own big, big New Year's party, at the countdown, I said, everybody, say this, 2019, get the fuck out my face. Because <laughs> 2019 was terrible. And lo and behold, 2020 made 2019 look minuscule. It's like, what the hell have we got ourselves into? So I say that because I don't know. We, we don't know what, who's to say, man. Hey, all I know is, a reality show dude got in office with no political experience at all. Zero political experience. That's also all I know. And I don't know how. How do you put your trust in someone who's never even held a political office? How do you put your trust in someone who's failed bankruptcy at casinos? How do you put someone in your... How do you let that guy run everything with no experience at all? You know how many jobs you can get that are important with no experience? <laughs> not, not many. Not many. <laughs> <laughs> Not many, and trust that person. It's like saying, I got a new guy driving an ambulance today. He hasn't got his license yet. Do you lay on that gurney and allow them to put you in that ambulance <laughs> knowing that the dude driving never drove a car before? No. Uh, <laughs> do you let them roll you into that ambulance? And the dude's sitting there like, which key? Or the guy sitting there like, is deep a drive? Yeah. <laughs> is deep a drive? What do you do? Do you lay there and say, okay, I'm going to ride it out? No. You say, get me out of the back of this thing, man, because uh, this could be ugly. This is where we are as a country. So we got to, it's so many things wrong. You really don't know where the right is going to come from, if I, if I can say that. You don't know where the right is going to come from. You really don't. I do say that I trust someone with experience. Mm -hmm. I did see your name on this list of prominent black men who called on Joe Biden to pick a black woman as his as his running mate. So why did you decide you wanted to do that? And no, because we got two things going on here. Number one, we need a woman in there. No woman, woman. We need a woman, right? You need another another mindset. You need another thought in there that male masculinity takes over everything. And you gotta realize it took a long time for black people to be able to vote, but. You think about it, it took a long time for women to be able to vote. Now you combine the two. Now you got a black woman, a black woman who's going to be running for vice president. So think about that. Think about how 
what is needed in this country? What's the energy we need in this country? What is this country founded on? What do we need? Where do we need to get to in this country? And I, for some reason, I feel like you need a woman in there. And I think a black woman would give us something different. One more question. Is there a time that you can remember on the set of Curb Your Enthusiasm where you laughed really hard at something that was going on? You know what? Shit, man. I See, I, I don't break. I don't. You don't it, break. It, it takes a lot. It's a Larry breaks. <laughs> How about a time you made Larry laugh really hard? Oh, man. I had Larry on his heels one day, man. And I could tell when I got him because his, his right side of his mouth always like, <laughs> he goes, yeah. He always talks to like, he's like nodding his head like, and he does that. And I know I got him on his heels. Now, being a stand-up, we, we go by what we, the energy we get back from you. So a lot of people think, no, comedians do talk a lot, but we also have to listen intently to what, it, what you like about us in this moment. So my, I'm thinking like, shit, I mean, comedians, we want you to wet your pants. We want to bust your spleen, <laughs> you know? My thing is, I want to see a snot bubble come out your nose. You know what I mean? That's my yeah. thing. I'm a, I'm a snot bubble guy. I want to see the, and, and I want to see the snot bubble. Like, <laughs> I'm going to say snot, snot bubble pop out your nose, man. No, you know what? Every season, there is a moment where I'm about to now, when you see me get dead like serious like this, that means I'm about to, I could laugh at what I'm saying to you, but it's so ridiculous what I'm saying right now that I almost got to, I'm going to tell you very quick how I think. When I get on set, I go full Leon. There's no JB. To the point where I step out of me and I step into his ass. Once I put the <laughs> robe on and the stupid ass socks, and that dumbass do-rag on, and I put my little chain on, my little Leon, my little ruckus, my little lamping, my little I guess mine chain. I'm all Leon for that whole damn day. So much that even when I'm driving home from set, I put my clothes on, get my truck, and drive home, my wife would call me. This is how we think. She would say, what did Leon say today? <laughs> she wanted to say, what did you say today? How was your day? What was the funniest thing? That no, what did Leon say today? Which shows that Leon has a certain mindset and a certain flow to him. So I'm wrapped up in him. So when I say stuff, I rarely, I'm telling you, I rarely break. Once in a while, I won't break. I'll break because you're breaking. You're fucking out of control and it makes me out of control. But I won't be out of control. I might just like turn my head in like that. Larry fucking loses it, man. He turns red, <laughs> all that shit. His whole, everything fucks up. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. And uh, ah, hey, man, you're great, man. Appreciate, it, man. We went down some roads, man. I think we might have solved some issues. I think so. Fuck around, hey, fuck around. I'll run for president up in here. Play with me if you want to. Shit, throw my name in the hat. God damn it. So no, I can solve. I can solve some of these issues. I can solve some of these issues, man. I think. <laughs> Maybe that's the plot line for uh, next season of Curb is uh, Leon runs for president. Leon for president. Come oh. on, man. Let me solve. Let me get my hands in it. That sounds pretty good. All right. Hey, man, we did it, man. Thank you so much. You're the man, brother. Well, that was insane. Thank you again to JB Smooth for that incredible conversation. Mapleworth Murders is currently streaming on Quibi, and look out for the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm whenever HBO decides it's safe for them to start shooting. In the meantime, please help us out by giving this podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. 
And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes, including JB's incredible outfit from this one. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.